To celebrate Black History, The Post and Courier is presenting a series of podcasts and video interviews featuring 12 dynamic South Carolina leaders to know. We talk to people from all over the state about their efforts to advance social justice, celebrate black culture, address community needs, and create a better world. Our podcasts and videos will be released monthly through January 2022. To learn about South Carolina's pantheon of social justice warriors, go to postandcourier.com slash blackhistory. Join us in learning about our state's remarkable change agents. A special message from former Governor Jim Hodges. Hello, South Carolina. This is Jim Hodges. What I like most about SC Whitmore School is the personalized one-on-one attention that each student receives. Students progress through courses at their own pace. You can graduate early or take the time you need to catch up. SC Whitmore School is an online public charter high school serving South Carolina students since 2011. Check out scwhitmoreschool.org or call 866-476-6416. Jermaine Johnson, hi. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> Welcome to the Denmark VC Monument in Hampton Park, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh man, you, you know I've never been to this monument. I went to school here. Yeah. You know, well, it's a little, it's a little tucked away, a little off the beaten path. Although I, I do like the landscaping. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. They did a nice job. Um, so yeah, you went to the College of Charles. Well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I want to know about uh, Southern California first. You were born in Hollywood and yeah. grew up in Southern California and spent your teenage years there and all that stuff. So how is LA and do you miss it? I don't miss it, uh, to be honest, I don't miss it. Um, I was born there, I was born in the 80s, yeah, 1985. Um, born in Hollywood, before Hollywood became Hollywood. Reagan was, was president. Yeah, it was, yeah, Reagan was president. All that you know, money was trickling down. Back to the down, Future was, was the most down. greatest movie ever. Yeah, Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, right? so, but I, you know, I, uh, I was born on Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood. Um, and wow. I spent, yeah, I spent the first 15 years of my life um, all over Southern California, you know, kind of moving around a lot to different places, different locations. Uh, and before I ended up going off to prep school for basketball reasons. So basketball took you out of L.A.? Absolutely. But what was your childhood like? So uh, we, we know a lot about the 80s. Uh, the 80s was the crack epidemic, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it, it rages war on my family. Um, a lot of uh, my family members were addicted mm. uh, to that or either selling it or, you know, a lot of gang activity, um, a lot of the, the typical stuff that you saw in the movies and those, those different types of things. Yeah. Um, I was homeless a lot of the time growing up. Really? Yeah, I lived in a lot of, I lived in pretty much motels most of my life, mm. uh, motel sixes and travel lodges and all these different little you know, ends and things like that myself and, you know, a couple family members. Um, so, you know, I didn't really have a stable uh, upbringing um, because of that situation, you know. Uh, I went to seven different high schools wow. uh, coming up. Um, so it's hard to make friends. Uh, no, I don't have unstable. any, yeah, I don't, I don't have any real, like, oh, man, this has been my friend since elementary stuff. Right. You know, my wife, she has friends like that. She's like, oh, man, I went to elementary all the way up through college with this person. I don't have anybody like that yeah. uh, because of all the, because of the upbringing that I did uh, have. And so how has that affected you and your outlook, your worldview? Uh, I actually think it, uh, it served a good uh, purpose for myself. Um, in retrospect, because yeah, at the in, time in retro- it at was At the time hell. you suffer, yeah. you know, at the time you, you definitely suffer through these situations where you don't have too many friends, it's hard to make friends. 
Um, you know, you're moving around a lot, so you have to c continuously start over. Uh, but now, in retrospect, uh, I've been th through so many different types of situations that I can now relate to people from all sides of, you know, the aisle, the spectrum, anywhere you look at it. I can relate to an individual because I know what it's like to be poor, but also know what it's like to go to a prep school or private school uh, with other individuals. And then, uh, you know, I stayed with some friends who had, you know, a significant amount of money. They were quite wealthy as well. So I've, I've pretty much hit all. All sides of this thing, man. Yeah. That <laughs> so, spectrum. Yeah. All by the age of 18, yeah, probably. All by the, you all had by the all age this 18. kind of exposure to yeah. the. That's interesting. And were you always good at sports? You know, it was something I was kind of, I was, you know, I'm 6'7". I'm so, <laughs> so, I mean, it, you can't teach somebody how to be tall. Uh, so it kind of came natural to me. Uh, okay, but, but yeah, I mean, just because you're tall doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good it, basketball it, player it, or it athlete. Doesn't, but it came natural to me. Okay. You know, my, my older brother, he played basketball. Uh, you know, basketball was pretty much the thing. But I also saw basketball. Uh, Hold on. Yeah. Let that plane pass. You can start with older brother. Sorry. No, I'm The airport's yeah, not yeah. far. And I can fly right over here. And <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you, you know, my, uh, my older brother, he played basketball. Uh, he, he was uh, one of the top basketball players in the country. Um, basketball was kind of just the way that I chose to, uh, to get out, to get out of my situation. Um, so I played AAU basketball, even though I didn't have the grades to play in high school. You know, uh, my, my, my AAU coach, he uh, gave me the opportunity to kind of get some exposure mm -hmm. um, and to get out and get out of my environment. So, you know, the day that school would end, he would literally have me on a plane like the next day going to either Arizona or Colorado or New York wow. or somewhere to play some sort of a travel basketball. Okay, so is that the, the, the values that you uphold today then, I guess, were sort of instilled in part by this, this, the discipline that was required of you uh, yeah, then? Yeah, ba basketball uh, saved my life. Um, if I did not have basketball, I don't know where I would be at today. Uh, just the, the rules of, you know, the game, you know, working together as a team and, you know, being a part of a team that had a bunch of guys who had similar backgrounds such as mine. Uh, we're all looking for that father figure. We're looking for somebody to look up to. And my coach was that person. Hold on. Hold on. We'll just continue from there. Your, your dad wasn't around when you were? Not really. Um, he was going through his own addictions and things. Um, a lot of uh, gambling addiction. After he, after he got clean from drug use, he kind of fell into a... Are you comfortable talking about yes, that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. So, so your coach served as a kind of father figure. What about your own father? So, you know, he was going through his own situations, um, his own situations, like I said, with the 80s and, you know, the whole drug use, um, it waging his war. You know, he went through that, and when he got cleaned up from that, you know, I was still young, uh, and he kind of just went through another uh, addiction that, was, you know, we're talking about gambling and things like that. I see. Um, so they, it just kind of had me just running around looking for, you know, direction, trying to figure out the right thing to do, the right way to go. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that I, I've, I've learned from um, and I don't blame anybody for uh, because of, uh, you know, I, I don't I have children of my own now and I don't want my children to hate me because of some own personal demons that I'm dealing with or trying to, you know, we're, none of us are perfect. So right, right. Um, I love my family. I love my parents, love them to death. Uh, they just left here. Uh, so we all make mistakes. So, you know, yeah. 
Well, that's good. And um, and you're all together now? Are they? Are your where no, are your my parents, parents still live in California. They're my still parents in California. are still in California. So you just go back yeah. to visit. I haven't been back to California yeah. forever. <laughs> really? yeah, they're actually uh, in the process of moving here. Oh, okay, good, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. All right, so the family will be reunited yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're gonna have to come to South Carolina, mom and yeah, dad. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not dealing with it. I'm yeah. not. I'm uh, not not going back there. That's interesting yeah. be- because. Because the, your associations are just mostly negative. Yeah, well, that's that's wanna... that's what led me away from California. Was the associations were right. so negative where I was coming from that it was like you know once I get out, I'm not going back. Like yeah. there's no reason. So I literally moved you know clear across the country to get away from that environment uh, and to start something fresh and new. Um, so once I did, you know, I left at you know 15 years old and I didn't I didn't look back. Didn't look back. And so tell me a little bit more about basketball then your basketball career. So you were recruited. Mm-hmm. And you came east, and uh, and then eventually to the College of Charleston. And uh, tell us a little bit about that trajectory and and what transpired after that. Yeah, so uh, y'all kind of lied to me to get me to come to South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, you're here. Yeah, I'm it here. Worked, and it, it, it worked, right? Yeah. So uh, I was uh, I was going to a prep school in Massachusetts, and uh, you know, the the coach of the College of Charleston, the then coach of the College of Charleston, came up there and said, "Hey, listen, you should come down to take a visit down to South Carolina." You know, it's just like California. We have palm trees and good weather and all this stuff. It's just amazing. I said, oh, man, I'm coming. So they brought me down here on a visit during a time where the weather was good. Right. And I said, all right. I said, you know what, Coach? I'm coming to College of Charleston. And I got stuck down here, man. They, they, they treated me so well when I was came, when I came yeah. down on my visit. So, yeah, so you were here which years then? So I got down here in 2004. I took my visit in 2003. Okay. I, came, uh, I started school in 2004. And uh, like I said, I've been here ever, ever since. Ever but since. Uh, I graduated in December of uh, 2008, uh, finished out my season of two, in 2009, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what were your first impressions once you did settle in? here in Charleston. <laughs> oh, what were your first impressions of I, South Carolina? I remember getting off of I-26, yeah. uh, coming in, coming to downtown Charleston, and I was like, what are all these trees? Yeah. <laughs> I saw all this greenery, and I was like, I wasn't used to seeing all those trees. But that's and, nice. Yeah, it's nice, Beautiful. it's nice, but I wasn't used to it. I'm like, oh my God, like we're in the middle of a forest down yeah. here, you know, and then, you know, it was all the, the you know, seeing the sweet tea, like I want iced tea, like no, it's not iced, it's called sweet tea, you yeah, know, it's right. the sweet tea stuff. So you know, I've been here long enough to where people think I'm I'm a native of South Carolina because I have. They say, "Oh man, you got to act." When I go, when I see other people in other places, they're like, "You have an accent." I'm like, no, "What are you talking about? I have an accent?" I'm like, "Oh, you got you got to be from the South." I'm like, "No, oh, but I'm a transplant. I've been here long enough." Well, what about your ancestry, though? Do do you have any yeah. grandparents, great grandparents? Yeah, I, I have from? I have uh, some some ancestry that's out of uh, South Carolina, but also out of uh, Louisiana, Louisiana. Uh, and a lot of the mid Midwestern uh, places, Minnesota, okay. and uh, they probably went Missouri. up to Mississippi, right? Yeah, from Louisiana. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you think? I guess what I'm really getting at: the trees are nice and all, but what what was your impression of the the, the culture and the yeah. history and the politics. Yeah, it, it was a culture shock when I first arrived here um, because uh, I, I've, I've done a lot of traveling and I, I've never seen segregation so prevalent as it was when I first got here in South Carolina. I mean, the segregation was, you know, it was just, it was obvious. It was just right there in your face, but also uh, the manners of everybody was the Southern hospitality, that Southern yeah. charm was was uh, evident as well. So I saw the, I saw the you know, the, 
the the people with the segregation, but I also saw the the Southern charm. So it, it was just a it was a a shock to me to see, man, we're segregated, but also we still treat you with respect. Right. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like respectful segregation. Well, and black people and white people in, on a individual basis yeah. seem to be able to interact very very well. Yes. Together here is the institutional problems. Yes. Are the, you know that you have that. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the first day that my teammate got here and we were walking. You know, a guy was riding his truck, and the first word he screamed out, like on the first day, you, you n word. You know, really? Yeah, this is this is the welcome us to South Carolina. We're like, oh my God, like this is this, you know, this here is some serious. Real, so, you yeah. know, I mean, it, it was real. So, you know, it was just getting used to stuff like that. You know, the, the Confederate Can you flags get used and to stuff. stuff like that? I mean, it, you see what you see, and you hear what you hear, and you read what you read, and it's just—it's just almost like it comes with the territory. You know, it's like, all right, you see the Confederate flags all over the place, and you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, what do, what do you do? How do you adapt? You know, so you do things like trying to change the narrative. Yeah. So okay, so you you have this sort of flourishing basketball career. Tell me about uh, your transition away from basketball and into politics. How yeah. did that happen? I have no idea, man. What it, happened it, it, to yeah. you, man? So I, I went uh, after college. I ended up playing professional basketball. Yeah. Uh, I played in the NBA D League for a while. I played overseas. Uh, played in Brazil, Mexico, Portugal, Canada. Wow. Do you yeah. speak any Portuguese? I know, but I uh, speak Spanish though. Oh, okay. Espanol. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, I don't. You know, but playing in all those places, you know. I, I saw the different uh, parts of the world and seeing how privileged that we actually do have it here uh, in America. You know, I, it's kind of opened my eyes to have this whole well-rounded world perspective that I have, you know, from my upbringing and going all right. over the place and then going, you know, overseas. Yeah, around the world, yeah. A lot of people don't, don't have that, that, that opportunity. So, you know, I, was, I was, uh, came back here and I, I came up with this bright idea to uh, create a nonprofit to help individuals who have been through a certain, like a similar upbringing that I had, uh, to help them to never have to go through that also. So, you know, I started working with the Midlands Fatherhood Coalition to help men become better fathers. Um, and I was trying to find my own purpose as to what I should be doing. Uh, but I had young people that looked up to me uh, and, they, and they were talking to me about why they weren't, you know, going to report police officers. Um, and this is, at, you know, when the police brutality was really prevalent. So I was like, man, I, you know, I, I have to say something. So we had a forum in my community uh, you know, with police officers. And I went to go speak uh, about this situation. And I was asking them, I said, hey, you know, you all are saying that we don't have this problem here in Richard County. They were like, no, 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 we don't have this problem. We don't have this problem. And I'm like, are you sure about that? No, we don't have this problem. They were all patting themselves on the back. And I said, well, that's a lie because one of my young friends had just told me that he got stopped three times in three consecutive days by three different police officers, illegally searched, and they let him go. Uh, and, you know, I told him, I said, this is the problem. The young people don't trust you. They believe they have a target on their back if they report you. Yeah. You know, and after I said, you know, everything that I said, uh, you know, they, they gave me a standing ovation. Uh, and as, as it was, I was getting the ready room. to leave. Yeah, the room gave me a standing ovation. And as I was getting ready to leave, uh, a, a gentleman tapped, uh, tapped me on my shoulder. Uh, and I turned around and it was representative, the late, great Representative Joe Neal. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and Representative Joe Neal said, Jermaine, you know, uh, you know, he introduced himself and he said, Jermaine, you're exactly who, you know, who we need uh, leading, you know, these communities. You're exact. you're the future of what we need. And, and, and from that, uh, that point on, he became my mentor. So he planted the seed of public he is, service. He is the reason head. why I'm in politics. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, and then served as your mentor. Yes. What took you to the Columbia area? My, well, my wife is originally from uh, Columbia, um, okay. but I had always wanted to stay somewhere here. Um, when, when my wife was uh, my wife was going to school at Presbyterian uh, to be studying to be a pharmacist, 
um, I was still playing basketball. So, you know, and she was at home and I would just come back, uh, back and forth. So I was, yeah. I've been living up here for some years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, she's originally from here and I, I just knew I wanted to be here. I didn't want to be in Charleston. I wanted to be close enough to where I can leave and come back whenever yeah. I needed to. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So what was the, your, your early experiences in politics like? Oh, quite strange. Uh, you know, I, they put me on as the uh, Richardson County Recreation Commissioner. This is when all the commissioners had been removed by Nikki Haley, you know, because of the yeah. situation that we had up there in Richardson County. And that's where everything got started. So, you know, when it just kind of came like a snowball effect. So I became one of them, and then all of a sudden I, I was asked to be the third vice chair of the county Democratic Party. And then they, I became a part of the Democratic Black Caucus, and I became a part of the Young Democrats, and I became a part of the Democratic Black Caucus. I, it just kind of a snowball effect. Yeah. Everything just kind of got thrown on me at that point to be like, listen, Jermaine, like, people listen to you. You know, we need you, you know, leading the charge here. Just because you're tall. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is, that's man. It. It's like yeah. they're like, you're a tall guy. They have to listen. <laughs> they feel obligated. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that, but that kind of is what got me started. Uh, with everything that kind of came in. But then, you know, then the, the presidential elections, when people started announcing they were running for president, you know, I was looking at some guys, you know, and, and people who I was considering supporting for uh, for president. Uh, and uh, I came across the guy, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. I came across Andrew Yang. He was talking about he wanted to pay everybody $1,000 a month. I said, man, I could, I could have used that growing up. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that the, hit home. And right? that's it's exactly like, why I uh, decided to support Andrew. There was a study done a few years ago that really surprised me. Uh, it was about charity, and uh, it questioned the effectiveness of just sort of giving money out. Mm -hmm. um, it, this might have this might have been considered in the context of reparations even, I'm not sure. Maybe not, maybe it was just poverty. In any case, I don't remember the details, but I remember the basic question was, is it helpful just to write somebody a check? Yeah. Because there's, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the prevailing attitude is, no, 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 you have to give them the safety net, you have to give them social services, you have to train them, you have to prepare mm -hmm. them for career, or whatever. Uh, it's not, if, they, if you just give them money, they're going to spend it badly, yeah, goes yeah, the argument. Yeah. Well, it turns out, according to this study, I wish I could <laughs> be more specific about it, but it turns out that no, actually, it's helpful. Exactly. It's helpful to give people money, yeah. that they pay bills with it, yes. that they survive another month or two months or more, that it, it actually serves a very practical purpose. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely does. Uh, and there's multiple studies going around. There's one in Jackson, Mississippi. There's one in Philadelphia. You know, there, there's one in Stockton, California. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. And uh, recently, you probably heard that we're doing one in Columbia. Uh, so uh, it's actually my consultant firm, uh, DT Consultant Firm, that actually is designed that program, that pilot program. And I'm working with Mayor Benjamin to go ahead and roll that out. Uh, because uh -huh. I'm a firm believer in, you know, helping people out because you, you can't, you, you got to give somebody a starting point, you yeah. know, and you have to help people. And we have, all, with all the study, we have all the statistics behind it, how it does help families and uh, bridge gaps. So is the program literally go about f finding funds to provide families in need? Yes. Yeah. So the, the one that we have set up, we wanted to uh, show a parallel between the one that we see like in Jackson, Mississippi, where they're helping mothers. So we're doing one here where it's helping fathers and families. Uh -huh. And we want to show, we want to show that, you know, uh, with statistics, you know, uh, children are 297 times more likely to carry a gun when there's not uh, an involved father in their lives. 
So these type of situations can help repair those uh, those situations. I see. Wow. Okay. So you're really kind of getting at the some of the root causes mm -hmm. <clears throat> and dealing with it in a financial way. You know, yes. figuring out some financial solutions. Yes. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yep. That's really interesting. Trident Technical College celebrates black history and all the great leaders of South Carolina. Education is improving the lives of others and for leaving your community and your world better than you found it. Marion Wright Edelman. Visit tridenttech.edu to explore educational opportunities and ways to impact your community. Okay, so now you're in the legislature. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Uh, what are you going to do? What's on the agenda? Oh, what are you planning? There's so much that I have planned. Uh, Give us your priority list. Yes. Like what, if you could like wave a magic wand, go in there, guns blazing, so yeah, to speak, yeah, not really, yeah. um, and get something done immediately. Yes. What would be the first thing? The very first thing that has got to be done is broadband access. Broadband it, it, access. That has got to be done. The level um, the playing yes, field, it, access it to it education. It has access. to be. It's got to be done. I, and I believe that should be, you know, a top, if not the top, priority that has to happen because of COVID has shown us where our breakdowns and the areas are yeah. uh, that we need help with. And in these go out to these rural communities like the one I, I see uh, oversee, uh, there's individuals out there who cannot get access to telehealth or they can't get access to the information that we're trying to provide them. They can't get access. And then you have the children who can't even submit their homework assignments. Right. You know, they can't do virtual learning. They can't do any of that stuff. And I believe it's about it's over 7,000 families in my district alone that don't have access to broadband internet. And that's not access because, you know, uh, it's too expensive. That's not access because there's no provider at all. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and we need to have something to level that playing field, how we expect our children to compete with the rest of the world if they can't even get in contact with the rest of the world, you know? And this is the way we're communicating uh, even before the pandemic, but now with the pandemic, it's, a, it's essential. I yeah. mean, this is how, how we're going to yeah. be mostly communicating and schooling and learning yeah. and meeting, you know, businesses yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are closing their offices yep. and accepting the idea of people working from home more and all that. Yeah. So, but what does that entail? It's not just building towers. You have to install equipment mm -hmm. into individual homes. Yes, yeah. So we have lots of money that's already set aside. I think we talked about it today, like 50 million or something like that. Uh, we've got right. millions and millions of dollars that's already appropriated for this, uh, for this project. Um, I believe we, for my community, I think we have a, a, a like a three-phase uh, tier system that's going on where at the end of the third year, everybody across my district should have access to broadband. But we're trying to speed up that process, and that means we just need to appropriate more money faster so that we don't have to raise the money okay. so that we can get that stuff done. So um, it, it's coming. It's a slow process. It's, you know, been a long time, but I, you know, I'm excited that I, you know, I had a meeting with the governor, uh, you know, not too long ago, and he believes that this should be a top priority as well. Okay. So at least we're all on the same page, but knowing that we have to have uh, solve these connectivity problems. And what about the rest of the state? I mean, this is for your district, but what about? Oh no, this for everybody. Oh, it's for everybody. Yeah, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Yeah, okay. statewide. Statewide yeah. program. Yes. Okay. Wow. Number two on your list. Number two on my list is that uh, you probably heard of it or you probably seen it somewhere. It is a uh, bill where you get a one percent tax break when uh, sales tax break when you're 85 years of age. Oh. Right. Yeah. So that's across the state right now. So it's to help older people, it's to help seniors. The problem with that is how many 85 year olds do you know that's going to the mall to go shopping on their own to show their ID card to do all this stuff? You don't know very many of them. And if you do not know the life expectancy for the state of South Carolina or for the United States, which is uh, 79 and 77, 
we're literally expecting them to live eight years past they even expect them to live well, before they, yeah. we give them one penny off of a dollar. Okay. So, it. so it was a gimmick, you know, and, and and that thing it needs to be changed. So I'm proposing that we bring it down to the age of 70, uh, so that we can actually uh, allow individuals to enjoy their their you know their retirement and actually utilize that and get the the uh, you know the the help that they need. But so. to play devil's advocate, and you even mm -hmm. alluded to it already, not everybody spends money the same way or as mm -hmm. much or, you know, they're not all paying sales tax in the, to the same degree. So mm -hmm. this is going to help certain people more than others, potentially. If, if people are utilizing it, yes, if people are utilizing it. But the thing is, it's underutilized right now, if not That's utilized good. at all. They don't have any numbers on, on the effect of it, on the fiscal impact of it, because it's not being used. I have to say, I have... I have wondered what South Carolina's obsession with the sales tax is yeah. <laughs> all about. It, like anytime anybody ever wants to do anything, they do a temporary sales tax yeah. increase, or they lower the sales, or they do this, or they do that. There's always it's always the sales tax seems to be the preferred instrument. Yeah, you know. To, and I'm thinking, why don't you just raise taxes? Yeah, or all together, right? All together, yeah. and, and like just get it done. Yeah. Instead of these, this, this game that everybody plays with the sales tax. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder about that. Well, I'm when suspicious. I find out, when I find out, I'll let you know. Yeah, you look into that for <laughs> I'll me, would you? It. I got you. Yeah. yeah what, what is this obsession with the sales tax? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, America pays some of the lowest taxes across the, you know, the entire world. You know, so yeah. it's some of the things that we probably need Not to look sales into. Sales tax. Yeah. Sales tax here in Charleston is high. Yeah, well, that's you know, we're in Charleston. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> and there's like three different taxes that yeah. are all uh -huh. folded into the sales tax or something like. <laughs> Like that okay what's number three on your list number three is uh something that was inspired by andrew yang yeah uh, it's called the pdf uh as i've termed it uh the palmetto dividend fund hmm. and the palmetto dividend fund is to give every south carolina age 18 and up a 400 dollars yearly stipend not monthly but yearly uh because we know about 40 to 50 percent of americans cannot afford an unexpected uh 400 bill and that's even more in south carolina uh, so this is something to help them to, you know, when times, you know, when they fall on hard times, uh, just to actually be able to afford that bill, yeah. you know. So something like that, you know, we're working out the parameters of it in terms of uh, residency requirements and all the other stuff. Uh, but I think that's something that can help alleviate a lot of people's troubles. That could potentially get a family in trouble through another month or two, you Correct. know, that, yeah. that can sometimes it's a question of one bill or two bills and yeah. they have to make difficult choices if, especially if you're poor yeah. and uh, and that can really send a family into a downward spiral if to miss just one so this is the sort yeah. of thing that'll mm -hmm. get them across the bridge yeah think and think about uh, when your car breaks down if your car breaks down right. it's never just fifty but fifty dollars right. hundred dollars it's always five six seven eight hundred nine hundred dollars you know and something and like the ripple this. effect and, and it just yeah now exactly. you don't have a car so you can't get to work exactly so we had a day of work yeah. and what about picking up the kid at school and yes. like all these things yeah we had an individual uh, just the other day I teach a program uh, and the individual his transmission went out so he was like, all right, I'm going to quit my job, you know, and it's because he can't he couldn't afford to get his car fixed. So you, you're exactly right with the ripple effect. If, so, if one thing happens, it kind of snowballs down yeah. and you just end up, you know, trying to figure out how to make ends meet. So you really are focused on financial solutions. You Absolutely. have you want to lower the sales tax for people who've reached the age of 70. You want to provide four hundred dollars for every person 18 or older mm -hmm. throughout the state yeah. annually as a, as emergency funds. Yep. Um, and you have this nonprofit that you operate. 
Yeah, so, I, you know, uh, when I got elected, I went ahead and I dissolved the nonprofit, but now I'm working with other individuals. Uh, on my consulting firm, uh, but we do the same thing with my consulting firm. Uh, we just do it on a, uh, you know, on a for-profit basis. Was helping the individuals to, uh, you know, get the life skills and the soft skills development uh, to know how to be better employees, how yeah. to be uh, better stewards of their money, teaching them financial literacy and things like that. Yeah. You know, it, just to help them to become better citizens of, you know, South Carolina. So where do you think uh, South Carolina should be 10 years from now and 20 years from now? Oh, man, 10 like, years from now, yeah. we, we should uh, definitely have the connectivity issue solved. We yeah. should have that solved. Uh, and we should be able to be one of the leaders in, when it comes to manufacturing and industry. Okay. Uh, companies, they, they are coming here, they're flocking here. Uh, but the problem we're having here is we have a labor shortage in South Carolina. And we have to figure out how to solve that. Once we figure out how to solve that issue when it comes to educating our young, um, I believe we should be a leader in the economy in terms of, you know, uh, America and the GDP because of the people who want to flock it. They love they love where we're at. We have water. You know, we have all, we have transportation. We have all the good stuff. We got I-95. You know, we, we have all that corridors. You know, we have everything. We're just a perfect prime spot. Yeah. Although there's climate change, the threat of climate change, which is, you know, a big X factor. Yeah, it's real. And um, in fact, there was some map I saw recently online about the the ideal living zone in America mm -hmm. currently includes South Carolina. And there's there's like this kind of area in the mm -hmm. central part from the East Coast inland to about the Mississippi. And it's showing that like 20 years from now or 50 years from now or something like that, it's going to slowly move up and up yeah. and up the nation yeah. and, and, and expose South Carolina. South Carolina is apparently going to be outside of the, <laughs> the Goldilocks zone, unfortunately, when it comes to climate. So I guess we need to be doing stuff on we that We should front. be doing something uh, immediately. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, renewable energy, yeah. um, solar farms and the Which things is part like of the that. economic yeah. development Absolutely. matrix that could, yeah. Yeah, it can bring jobs, you know, it can help us out with this whole Dominion Energy thing that's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these type of situations, uh, I think we have to look at. So you have a lot on your agenda, it sounds like, a lot of very concrete things. That's, that's the, and, uh, and you're at the beginning of this amazing career in the legislature, and who knows what's going to happen beyond that. Do you have any kind of long-term plans? Oh, uh, I, I don't. Uh, I've imposed a, uh, you know, a House of Representatives uh, term limit on myself already. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that this seat or any seat in, uh, in, in the General Assembly should be uh, one that belongs to you for, you know, the, your entire life. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, our job is to, uh, on day one, to begin secession planning. Mm -hmm. um, which I've already done, uh, and that's to teach other young people who are coming up, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the pride and the leadership qualities and uh, to give them what they need to be uh, better leaders and, you know, uh, just to be stewards of their community. So I've started on that, and my term limit is five terms, so it won't be no more than, than 10 years tops. Okay. And then I'm going to fade off in the background and hand that torch to the next person. But move on to whatever else. Move on you know, to whatever Something else, else whatever yeah. that may be. Absolutely. Hard to know at this yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know. I'm 35 now, so that's it. Yeah, I'm, 30 <laughs> 35. Yeah, I, I'm 35. It, it's hard okay. to know, but you know the thing is, you know, uh, I, I'm the first uh, African American to hold my seat, and I'm the second Democrat uh, elected to District 80. So uh, I don't want to be. I, I know I'm the first, but I don't want to be the last. No. Um, and I, that's what I'm planning on doing is just, you know, giving back. You're old enough to run for president. 
Oh, Lord, I'm don't give saying. me that. <laughs> I'm just saying. So do you ever get a chance to play some ball? Every now and then I do. Uh, I do a little bit of training and coaching and stuff like that. You okay. know, I volunteer, do some volunteer work uh, out there with people who love basketball. That's great. Um, I have a uh, I have a professional basketball team that I will be managing uh, that's coming right here to Charleston uh, called the Charleston Coyotes. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're, uh, we're, we're finalizing the, our, our arena uh, right now, currently. Where are you going to uh, play? So we're probably going to be playing in North Charleston. Okay. Uh, yeah, at the new athletic center. So, oh, wow. Yeah, we're finalizing those agreements right now. Uh, I've got some other individuals from Charleston that are involved with uh, the forming of it. But uh, we're excited, man. It's a, it's a league called the TBL. Uh, it's played all the way across the United States. Uh, pay, players get paid, of course. Uh, one of the former NBA players, Jerome Williams, they used to call him Junkyard Dog, he owns a team. Uh, Steve Francis owns a team. Okay. So, it, you know, it's professional players all over. Wow. Uh, and uh, we'll be traveling all over the Southeast. So we plan on partnering with the College of Charleston and the Citadel and CSU okay. uh, to go ahead and funnel some of, the, uh, some of the graduating seniors into our team. So it's a serious enterprise about basketball. Yes. Will there be any sort of mentorship involved? Yes, in yes. The whole thing is focused and centered around mentorship and teaching them financial literacy, teaching them what to do, how to navigate the whole business aspect of it, um, but also how to be involved with your, in your community. Um, I've talked to all the players that have come to our combines and I told them, listen, I am not going to have you on this team if you are not a good community member. You cannot be a representative of me if you are not representing the community in the right way. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in being involved with, with the community, giving back, uh, volunteerism, you know, all of those different types of things. So uh, the Coyotes, you will see them around and they are all about positivity. All right. Go Coyotes. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, Jermaine, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's uh, fascinating and I wish you all the best of luck in your thank political you. career and everything else you're doing, <laughs> uh, which seems to be quite a lot. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. appreciate thank you. it. Yeah, I, I appreciate you all reaching out to me. I yeah. was super excited, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. It's really good. Excellent. We come from every walk of life. We're proud of who we are and what we believe. We are among the 200,000 people who work for Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? 12 Black Leaders to Know is a special series of The Post and Career, produced by Chris Zeller, with interviews conducted by Adam Parker, and video production by Matthew Crum. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of America, College of Charleston Master of Business Administration, South Carolina Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities, Claflin University, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, South Carolina Whitmore School, Ingevity, South Carolina Buy Black Locally, Trident Technical College, and Middleton Place. To learn about South Carolina's pantheon of social justice warriors, visit postandcourier.com slash blackhistory.